Welcome back to Sticky Standards, and this is episode number 27. Sticky Standards. Professional learning that sticks. Again, this is Dana Richardson, and welcome again to Sticky Standards. We will dig more again into practices that change student achievement by looking at what's going on in all of our classrooms. Today, what a privilege to have a new friend of mine, Julie Blaine. I just met her not too long ago, and um, Julie just lives across, across the border in Missouri. Julie, welcome to Sticky Standards. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. Well, thank you. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and what brings you to professional learning. I really got involved with the the invitation for Sticky Standards due to the fact that uh, for this year, I am serving as the president uh, of the Board of Trustees for Learning Forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, the premier professional <laughs> learning organization nationally and internationally. Yes. And also, uh, as I always say in my real job, Mm -hmm. I'm also the executive director of a regional service center in the state of Missouri. We have nine regional Mm -hmm. service centers that deal with the school districts in our state around professional learning. Wow. That brings back a lot of memories because I did that in a former life too. So I think we kind of align with two of our passions, don't we? Service centers and professional learning. So that's pretty exciting. So we've decided that we want to talk about learning designs. That's one of the standards. Um, What made you choose that one for us to talk about, Julie? Not that all the standards aren't important, as you know they are, and I think each of them has their own standalone importance, but for me, learning design really is the one that really embeds and gets down to the core work that teachers are doing in classrooms with kids, and there are so many different learning designs that school districts, school buildings could choose from that sometimes I think they don't open their window wide enough with ways that they can make changes for adult behaviors and also for student learning. So that's learning designs for me is one of those standards that is kind of a wide open way to think about professional learning. Right, wide open. And and I liked how you said it's really getting the how, isn't it? And from the knowing to the doing with our kids. And really, for me, that's kind of the bottom line. I love how you said the knowing to the doing. That really is. What do students need to know and be able to do is really the bottom line of that. And then choosing that based around data. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many times we have things that we want, but they may not necessarily be the need. Mm -hmm. And I think many times in professional learning, that's what we see. Well, I want to know more about this, but... If we would look at our data, that wouldn't really be a need that we would have. Right. So so then we look at learning designs, uh, and one size doesn't fit all, does it? How might we help our listeners look at learning designs, as you said, that wide open possibilities for, for the big people? Well, I think as we look at that either as a school building or as a team, 
um, choosing what fits the goals and objectives for teaching and learning. Kind of, I always like to say, like, the bottom line is analyzing the student data mm -hmm. and then prioritizing the needs around that student data. Um, trying to figure out then once we kind of have those goals, mm -hmm. some goals based around what we've prioritized, then starting that implementation process and then monitoring what's going on. And as we look at that, I think then we can look at the many designs that might be out there, whether it's, you know, looking at student work or having a book study or whatever we need to do around that that's going to drive us kind of to, to that goal of changing adult behaviors then which will um, impact student learning. You know, I was um, reading uh, Becoming a Learning System last night, and they've got a whole chapter around learning designs. And again, it was looking deeper about what's, what's the team like. Not only what do the kids uh, want to learn, but also looking at ourselves. You know, if we're a brand new team and we've never met before, or I was thinking if we had a new principal at our building or three new teachers on the second grade team, might our design be different than if we were a mature um, accomplished team, even though the data is the same. And I think that's I, I think that is so true with what you just said about that, because also we have to look at the needs of the adult learners mm -hmm. and not necessarily maybe the wants of the adult learners, but the needs of those mm -hmm. adult learners to see kind of where they are in what I'm going to call a learning progression, mm -hmm. because you would have a brand new teacher that might come on to a team that would have different needs than a veteran teacher that perhaps has been there now for mm -hmm. 17 years. Mm -hmm. And so all of those needs would be very different as we look through what needs to happen. And I think sometimes we, in the past, it seems like we're getting much better at this. But for a while, I kind of personally, personally felt like we were jumping over that middle step for educators. We knew we wanted student achievement, but the people that were really going to cause it change in student achievement, we weren't really taking a nice hard look at seeing what they needed. And I think now we've kind of stepped back with professional learning to say, what do adult learners need? How do we address adult learners? And how are we going to address that in our school setting with our teams and our teachers and our administrators? And as you've worked with so many districts, um, what seems to be really working when we just address that of looking, of course, at the student data but and getting from that knowing to doing? What are some uh, designs that you've uh, seen districts or teams, uh, teams, buildings, districts that really work and, uh, and move us over the bridge, as I always like to say? Well, I, I love that. To get us over the bridge, for me, I think... Um, collaborative data teams. And what I mean by that is teams of teachers that work together using the data. So when I think of a collaborative data team that coming together, and you know, as you know, there's so many other things that build into bringing a team together. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of groundwork that has to be laid, but I think if we're gonna see real changes for adult behaviors and student learning, 
collaborative data teams would be the number one thing, and then actually using student work. Okay. And I spend um, a lot of time working with teams of teachers looking at student work in writing, mm. uh, specifically kind of a focus. Mm-hmm. And I found that we've made the most gains when those teachers are able to sit together, talk about what they see in the student work, talk about what they've done, what strategies they've used, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what we need to do, setting a goal for, wow, when we come back together to meet and have ongoing collaborative team meetings. Not just we met one time Mm -hmm. before school started at a professional learning day, but to have that continuous cycle of improvement that we think about. When you worked with those teams, let's just take writing, um, how are those usually structured? Have you found a protocol that works better than others, or do you just leave that up to the team members? Um, I'm, uh, does everybody bring samples, or does you know Julie bring it one day and then Dana the next? How have you had? How have you seen that just really working really well? For me, the we do have a specific protocol that we follow and ask great questions. Just so quickly in my mind, I'm going, oh my golly, there's so much to talk about with that. But each of the, I'll just like use an example. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I would have a third grade team and there would be five teachers, each of those sets of teachers would bring their own class of student writing. Mm -hmm. And so then the five teachers plus myself who would be facilitating would just be around the table. And before they come, they would have a rubric or scoring guide Mm -hmm. where they would have already scored those student writings. Mm -hmm. And I hate I don't know a better term, but just kind of done a ranking of who was proficient, who needed. In our state, we kind Mm -hmm. of use advanced, proficient, basic, and below basic. Okay. So they will have done that as a matter of facilitating time. Okay. And then they would bring those, and then we would just, and then we would just kind, we would look at those, and we would analyze what we're seeing in those collectively as a group. So what did each teacher see? in their own specific group of writing. And other times what, kind of as a little sidebar for that, sometimes what we've done is we've even traded those student writings so I wasn't looking at my own. Mm -hmm. So I kind Mm -hmm. of pose that as a little sidebar because that does make another interesting way to do that. So then we look at that, analyze what is going on, what we're seeing there, um, prioritizing what we think the needs are. And now, of course, based around... um, college and career ready standards Mm -hmm. or as we call them in Missouri, our Missouri learning standards. Mm -hmm. Then we look at the goals that we might need to set one or two because we know that's all we're going to need to be able to address at a time. And then the real power comes when the teachers start to talk about strategies, Mm -hmm. implementing strategies that they're already using. What do you already do? Where can we find other strategies? That's when the conversation just really also then takes off to when we're trying to figure out what are we going to do now? What kind of strategies are we going to implement? And then how are we going to monitor that to see? And then when we come back together, the whole cycle just starts all over again. Mm -hmm. As you've worked with some of those uh, teams, have they also maybe uh, done a lesson study or watched each other teach or uh, a kind of, I'm trying to think of a combination, you know, of designs 
I love that, and I love how you brought that out, because to me, that's now when we go into the whole lesson design piece, Mm -hmm. because now what do we need? When we talk about that, maybe I have, that that team of teachers has, they need to build their knowledge base more around writing, so then that would lead right into a book study, Mm -hmm. or perhaps they said, I don't really understand how to do that, so that would really lead into a, let's do an observation where we're going to peer observe each other. Or it could lead into, um, you know, a coaching piece where could you come and help Mm -hmm. me kind of Mm -hmm. work on something. Mm -hmm. So when we look at lesson design, that's why early on um, the lesson study, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do we need to design some lessons together? What Mm -hmm. do we need to do with the assessments? Could we go out and do we need to do some professional professional, um, reading? Mm -hmm. Is there something online? So to me, that's why when you and I talk, it's really about what is the need now that's going to Mm -hmm. drive the learning design Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, oh, I think this year we should do a book study. Yes, yes. Okay, well, that's great. But did we really need a book study? What Mm -hmm. gave us the Mm -hmm. thought, oh, let's do a book study? Where now, when those teams meet together and we think about a learning design, now they're really choosing based on mm-hmm. what they need as adult adult to drive the student learning mm-hmm. and what their students are really needing. Right. And to really change that practice within every classroom. Exactly. That's kind of, um, and it would work in any area. It could work in math. It can work in music. It could work in any content area uh, of those looking at the data, having those great um, conversations. I've done, sometimes I've done looking at student work and they've just had two piles. They've just said, these kids got it and these kids didn't. And especially when they were beginning, you know, they weren't as sophisticated, I don't maybe as your teams were, but that kind of was a way to get started. So if our audience wants to just kind of think about, you know, how, how might we get started? So if we've just got a pile of, let's just say, um, a math assignment, you know, and, okay, did these kids get this concept? These kids didn't, and then analyze the ones that didn't. And, and that's kind of a simple way sometimes, too, to begin. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that is true because it doesn't have to be. It's just, for me, it's just getting started somehow. But I do think that um, a protocol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever that protocol may be, and there's so many out there, yes. I'm sure that, you know, you you are probably, if you haven't already done a sticky standards around, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. protocols and that right. whole piece, I'm sure later on down the road that would be a great one for you to have. Yes. But, you know, the whole idea behind a protocol keeps us on track mm-hmm. and doesn't let us weave off so much yeah. into the minutia that sometimes can happen. I liked what you said, too, that sometimes we choose a book study just because our neighbor team is doing a book study or something. And uh, I think the research says that a book study or classroom walkthroughs are the lowest level of shifting practice that you can get if that's all you do is just the book study. But the highest level that really changes practice inside the classrooms are what you were talking about of analyzing student work or lesson studies and I've been reading recently even a you know to videotape 
your class, your, your teaching, maybe just watch it yourself and say, well, how did I do on that? Or maybe sharing it with teams. So I think, again, depending, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. If this is a um, young team or a new team, or if it maybe doesn't, hasn't created that trust amongst its team members, maybe book study is the place to start. And for me right now, my, my two big pieces are really about implementation, mm-hmm. which is the hardest part mm-hmm. <laughs> many times. And, and so right now I'm really kind of studying and working with my teams and my the schools in my region and those kind of things around the whole implementation. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've done this now. What are we going to do? And then the second piece for me is what I call the evidence. What What are you going to show that this is making any difference? So I think just that evidence piece is, yeah. is extremely important. This is just like a, a Julie way to do it. But a lot of times I will say to my teams, how are we going to know right. that what you're implementing is going to make any difference? Let's pretend that the, you know, CNN mm-hmm. or the newspaper was coming and they want something, which I, I always say is like hardcore on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you lay in front of this reporter whoever that was saying why did this make a difference what would we lay there Mm -hmm. so we then go into those conversations around what really is the evidence and you know the stories are wonderful I think that they so much have their place but we also need some of that heart that evidence that says we're seeing a change in what's happening in classrooms Mm -hmm. so what might that evidence look like Julie well, since we since I've kind of focused this down on writing, uh, for me what we do is a beginning student sample, and then the teachers keep samples throughout the school year on students so that then we can see that progression. So to me that is what the evidence that would lay on the table if they came. Um, this was Julie's writing mm-hmm. in the start of school on September the 2nd, and now this is Julie's writing May 17th at the end of the year, look at the difference between Mm -hmm. the two pieces. Okay, okay. And then even then being able to match what we see there with against the rubric or the scoring guide and the standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we we started out talking about the standard of learning designs, and we've talked about data. We've talked about implementation. We've talked about learning communities. Um, They're all connected, aren't they? They are, and I think that's why when when you and I first started talking and you asked me the question about why learning designs, and I said it wasn't any more Mm -hmm. or less important than any of the others, you know, sometimes for me it was really hard just to hold to just the learning designs (laughs) because of just what you said. It all is so woven can't have you can't just have yeah you have to have them all and again think of the leadership in those buildings that's allowing the time for those teams to meet and that was on that ongoing so leadership's in there also and like you said you've got your Missouri standards those are your outcomes uh so all of them are are we've already talked about you know another um component of learning designs besides selection of designs which we've just had a conversation now about is the idea of active engagement of the big people and think about what you've just shared those people aren't just sitting getting are they no 
so that active engagement for me means putting it into practice. Yeah. So whether we're going to call that putting it into practice, implementation, those are all kind of synonyms for now let's do something mm-hmm. with all that we got. But also that what we're while we're learning, we're doing too. We're not just uh, listening, I guess. You know, we're not yes. passive in that learning. I mean, they're all bringing their data and they're analyzing it and they're actively engaged. Uh, I well, think- and it goes back to something that you said, which is it kind of sounds like we're we are saying the same things. It's funny to hear somebody else kind of saying the same things I always say, it's that know and do. Mm-hmm. So there is a know and do for mm-hmm. the adult. What yes. am I going to know and what am I going to do with it? In the same way that they're looking exactly. at their students, what are these students going to need to know and do? So to me, that makes that whole active engagement piece for everyone. You know, and I've been thinking a lot about that. It seems like that's a, it is a big focus for all of our new standards is that the kids are actively engaged and yet sometimes we don't transfer that to that when we're learning of these new standards. We are actively engaged. When uh, Stephanie Hirsch was in Kansas a couple of months ago, she said, we don't want our, our teachers to learn the new standards. We want them to experience the new standards. And I like that word experience because I think that that goes right along with the words that you and I are uh-huh. saying when we're yeah. talking about implement implementation uh-huh. or do something with it, uh-huh. experience it so then you can tell someone else about it and then what should they be doing yeah. with it and how can they be using it. And to take your your example further, how are those teachers and those teams writing writing themselves? You know, if they're Exactly. Wow. That's pretty powerful. What's been your biggest success and your biggest aha as you've been working with these districts around learning designs, you know, really getting from the knowing to the doing? I think the biggest success overall is that um, districts are now doing long-term sustained job-embedded professional learning. Mm, Celebration. I know, exactly. And I've been at the center um, here since 99, um, first as assistant director and now as director. And the districts in my region, I have 72 districts that we work with in my region, there has been that shift. Mm -hmm. No, very, very seldom do we get that Hmm. just what do you do? Can you come and do uh-huh. something for two hours? Yeah. Districts now really understand the power of professional learning across time and the difference that it's going to make. So for me, that's the busy, biggest success is that the districts are understanding now the power of professional learning being John embedded over time. Wow. What do you see as our biggest challenge as we look at really job embedded, data-driven professional learning? Uh, the bi- my opinion, the biggest challenge is the change for adult behaviors, doing something different. And I think that teachers really do want to do something different, but they want the why mm-hmm. behind that. Oh. They just don't want to do it because someone said, but why would this yes. be important for me to do it? What is going to be my gain? Mm-hmm. So I think that sometimes is, you know, that's, can be difficult for us in professional learning 
and I think now that why question has surfaced more to the top than ever before. And kind of along with that, another kind of challenge um, is the evidence to show that it's mm-hmm. making some kind of difference, either in a change for adult yeah. or then how is that making a change around student growth? That is a challenge. So that, I think those are pieces we're still working on. There's I mean, always works in progress. I loved it that you talked about the why because here on Sticky Standards, we've talked about focusing on the why first and then the what and then the how because in other um, lives, <laughs> sometimes we've just focused on the how and we don't know why we're doing it. So I love it that you said that. But it is a challenge. Oh. Yes. At, you know, at the state level, at the district level, all the way through to be sure we understand why. And then we can roll up our sleeves and go to work. Totally agree with that. <laughs> how exciting, how exciting. I have a question for you. What have you been learning lately? Right now, serving on the Board of Trustees for Learning Forward has been just an absolutely wonderful experience, but it's been a wonderful learning experience mm-hmm. as well because it's just so interesting to be able to see uh, big pictures mm-hmm. nationally and internationally because then I'm able to bring some of those back. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think the big piece of learning for me that I'm still trying to figure out how does this all fit together is a whole new thing with the teacher evaluation. Oh, yes. And it's exciting that it can fit, isn't it? I mean, the yes, way, it is. Again, back to experiencing that professional learning in. Um, believing everyone can get better. Uh, That's a whole different belief system of, okay, we're all going to get better. And that's pretty exciting. And I'd like that for us in Missouri, we have termed that, and I'm I'm sure other places have too, but we just like that as growth, Mm -hmm. to see growth. Yes. And so I think for educators, we can see growth, Mm -hmm. and then we can see growth in our students as well. And so to me, that's been a very exciting piece of how are, how is all that going to come together as we move forward in education? I agree. My goodness, this time has just flown by. Uh, do you have a last takeaway or uh, just reflection on our on our conversation? I think my takeaway or last reflection is is that we just have to keep plodding forward, keep moving forward, and working toward implementing the standards for professional learning every day in our schools, and we will see results from that as we just keep moving forward. That's a great way to end this dialogue. Thank you so much, Julie. This has been wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it a lot. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to this podcast on Remarkable Chatter part of the ESDAP Broadcasting Network. To find out more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.